Hi everyone, it's Daya Kaliwo, your host of the Also Grind podcast, where I'm joined by entrepreneurs and career folks doing amazing stuff as they share their original stories and lessons learned along the way. On this episode, I met up with Modupe Odile, popularly known as Mo, at the Wallet.ng office. Mo is the founder of Scale My Hustle, a platform helping folks start and grow their businesses. She's an impact investment attorney with a focus on social enterprise. She has a law degree from the Lagos State University and a master's in law from Columbia Law School. In this episode, we talked about a journey leading to Scale My Hustle, how important service providers are to the success of the startup ecosystem, similarities and differences between startups in Africa and other parts of the world, why folks should take network capital more seriously, the strangest job she ever had, and a bit more. Do enjoy this podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Dario Kolewo, your host of the Australian Podcast, and I'm here with Mudupe Odele. How are you doing, Mo? I'm good, thank you for having me. Thanks for having me as well. Um, so one of the reasons why I wanted to have this chat with you was because of Scale My Hustle. Mm-hmm. And I feel you guys are doing awesome stuff. I wanted you to share um, the story behind Scale My Hustle, mm-hmm. uh, what you guys are trying to do, because I yeah. feel more folks should know. Mm-hmm. But before you do that, I want you to like give me like a background of yourself mm-hmm. um, leading to Scale My Hustle. Sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, so I'm a lawyer um, that has a full-time job. A lot of people don't actually believe that, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, so I used to live and work in Nigeria as a lawyer up until a couple of years ago when I moved for grad school. Um, while I was in Nigeria, I was working in a law firm. It was really a boutique law firm, and I was doing mostly private equity transactions. Um, but I had a lot of friends, interestingly, who wanted to start companies. Um, so they always come to me and say, oh, well, can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? And I remember straight out of law school, I had um, I had someone reach out to me. It was a company that was registered in the U.S. Um, and they had a Nigerian co-founder, and they were trying to register their patent in Nigeria. So I think that was the first time I had to work with a real startup, like you know, because that was this was already a startup that was operating in Silicon Valley, and I thought it was amazing. But at the time, um, there wasn't really anything like being a startup lawyer or anything like that. So the closest was I was doing private equity deals, but of course, private equity deals are bigger transactions, bigger mm-hmm. companies. Um, so th- I'm talking six, seven years ago. Uh, um, so so yeah, at the time I was like, okay, you know, I really wanted to work with startups. So I started working with startups one on one, just my friends doing free stuff, mm-hmm. or you know, they buy me lunch, buy me dinner, whatever. <laughs> it didn't really matter. And then I went to grad school. So while at grad school. I am also very human rightsy, um, so so I did I did it. So my, my 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 grad school program was focused on business and human rights and technology and venture capital because I really wanted to understand this space, mm-hmm. um, and that was it really. So since then I have worked in this space. For my day job, I actually work mostly with social entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs that are looking to solve a particular social or environmental problem. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I also think that that's the way to bridge, you know, the economic divide that we have in the developing world. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, so, leading to scale my hustle because or because I've worked in Nigeria and I've worked in the US, I sort of like knew people from both. I'm also qualified in both. So, a lot of people will reach out to me and say, "Oh, Mo, I'm trying to raise money internationally, and it's pretty difficult for me." Mm-hmm. And I've also worked. I've worked on some 
I've worked in other countries besides Nigeria and the mm. continent as well. So it was the same story in Kenya, in Nigeria, in Ghana. So I'm trying to raise money internationally. I can't, I don't know what to do. And then on the flip side, I have a lot of investors, at least, you know, small pocket investors, Indian investors telling me, you know, I think there's something really interesting happening on the continent and I want, I want to put my money in, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah. So I thought it was just a translation gap, right? Like most people that were able to raise money um, from, from international investors were probably people who already had like amazing traction or yeah. they had the connections or stuff like that. But that's not really, that's not the only way to raise money, right? Sure. People still raise smaller ticket sizes. Mm-hmm. So what I was going to do was build a platform that would connect both connect entrepreneurs and so entrepreneurs in Africa to international mm-hmm. investors. That was the idea behind it. So think about it like maybe a Tinder for investments or something like that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I was trying to build a distance size for investment. But apparently yeah. when I started doing that, um, we had gone through the entire due diligence process of what the the, the businesses that were going to be listed on the platform, mm-hmm. what they had to do in order for them to be listed. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized that we had a core problem because as soon as we started diligencing the startups, then I realized that it was a core structural problem. And I like to say that I don't think it was from a place of you know lack of competence or anything like that. I think it was just because people just didn't have a resource center. So if I want to start a business, let me take for Nigeria, stay as a Nigerian entrepreneur, there was just nowhere I could go to and say, okay, these are the kind of things that I should be looking at and these are the kind of things I should be doing. Um, many people are accidental entrepreneurs, just like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so most people just get in. Um, so I think once I realized that, I, I began to see that, okay, this is actually a problem. So we need to get to that space where we can actually build the ecosystem from scratch, mm-hmm. right? And the idea behind it is, you know, talking about issues as they pertain to the context. Yeah. So that was really the idea behind Scale My Hustle. Um, so yeah, that's it. I mean, because it makes sense if you're trying to connect um, entrepreneurs to investors yeah. and the entrepreneurs themselves haven't yeah. figured out basic stuff yeah. within wherever they are, mm-hmm. then you need to like fix that core problem before exactly. um, they get on the platform. Yeah, exactly. So what other things like have you been able to learn? I don't know how long you've been doing scale mm-hmm. my hustle, but what have you learned about what you've been trying to do so far? So um, interestingly, one of the things that has happened, because just like I said, I was trying to connect international investors to local, um, local entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. Yeah. One of the biggest lessons I've learned along the way in the last, well, we've been doing this for just four months, is that people don't really see access as capital, at least the entrepreneurs, at the early stages. They don't see access as capital as, mm. the, as their biggest problem, which is really interesting because when I was, if you had asked me before this, I would have been like, man, There's access no to, yeah, yeah. Exactly, access to capital. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it was mm-hmm. actually more of a resource problem. So mm. more of like talents, you know, more of, and which is, I don't know, I don't know if still my house can solve that kind of problem because when you're talking to me about the fact that say I have issue with talent or talent manager, I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I think that has been the biggest one that has hit me. Um, I didn't expect it, um, but yeah, but that was it. So when people are like, well, because another thing, when you think about the kind of businesses that we have, a lot of businesses that we have are actually solving, they're not vanity businesses like maybe Silicon Valley, right? Mm-hmm. So these are businesses that are solving real challenges and when they solve them more people will pay Mm -hmm. so a lot of businesses that have been able to find product market fit get to a point where 
they can be easily revenue positive at yeah. least to keep the lights on yeah. um so so at that point in time they are not they're not focusing on oh i want to raise money blah 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 that's not their focus their focus is how does this business actually work yeah. um so so that was that was the main thing i think that has sort of so basically i've now tweaked i'm trying mm-hmm. to tweak my perspective to say okay not everybody wants to raise money some people just want to build the business yeah. right at least as in the initial um in the beginning was, was that why you wrote the post recently about um, service providers um, yes which was one of the things so one of the things that scale my hustle because for us what we're, what we're trying to do is really be at that beginning phase where mm-hmm. we're helping to actually build the foundation of the ecosystem um, yeah. of the entrepreneurship ecosystem and in the startup space for instance if you ask me and you say i've been a lawyer for almost what for more than six years now mm-hmm. so if you ask me and say oh Mo, tell me five lawyers that i can that i can call startup lawyers in mm-hmm. nigeria i cannot give you five mm-hmm. which is a problem because i've been a lawyer for a very long time but i don't know anybody you know i know maybe one or two yeah but like that's it and then i just thought that if you have a critical and when it was when it came obvious to me that it was a very very big problem was when i was at the africa fintech summit and it was really a summit about fintech in Africa, and you did not have a panel on legal and regulation. It just didn't make sense to me. I was like, okay, so there's something going on here because we know that laws are a very big part of fintech. Absolutely. Right? So how do you have a discussion on fintech, which I think was a fantastic event, but like it was just this blind spot, and mm. it was to me it was just like, okay, this is not um, ideal. Was it something you spoke with Leland about? I, I, I was I plan to hopefully he doesn't hear it on the podcast <laughs> first, but I plan to speak to him about it because I, yeah. I noticed. But anyway, so still my hustle started this thing where it's like um it's a workshop for lawyers that want to enter into the entrepreneurship um, space or nice. the startup ecosystem. Nice. So we had a, like a two day workshop, um, which was fantastic. It got really amazing feedback, and mm. I was grateful because for me it was even it was being able to build that pipeline of service providers. So if people come to me because I'm a lawyer. I can tell them that oh I know XYZ who's also a lawyer in this space um doing and then from that workshop we sort of like created a community of lawyers who are like actively looking at you know term sheets and like saying oh you know what this is really interesting I want to do this work mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's also another it's a it's a big blind spot when it comes to the service providers absolutely you just like we mentioned before like yeah. if you want to if in Silicon Valley they are HR firms for instance and I'm not saying they're a good gold standard or anything like mm. that but there are some good but, I mean, lessons to be learned. Yeah. So we learned from, from them. them. So like yeah, if I want to start up a startup today, I know who to go to for startup branding. They just specialize in that. Startup HR, startup legal, you mm. know, those kind of things. But if I'm doing it in you know, at least in Nigeria, since this is where we are, I almost don't know the service provider. So I have to consult to this person who's a lawyer but it's not really a startup lawyer, or this person who's an HR person but not really, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I think that's a huge um, blind spot that we also need to sort of focus on as well. So is being a lawyer the I don't want to say the easiest but the fastest or quickest route to working with entrepreneurs? Like I mean, lawyers are very important when mm-hmm. it comes to working with entrepreneurs and yeah. investors. So like is that a profession that we should take? seriously like going forward i think i think lawyers are very critical to the growth of any ecosystem and um, any you know um, startup ecosystem mm-hmm. because i mean lawyers are the ones that at least uh, um they're the ones that paper the deals and sure. make, they make the marriages happen mm-hmm. um so and when i talk about marriages not just marriages between so i'm talking about marriages between 
co-founders, uh, yeah. marriages between investors, yeah. marriages between. So let's talk know, about founders agreements yeah, for, and stuff, and like, stuff that. like that. Yeah, yeah, the employees and all of that. Mm. So like, I feel like they're the ones that actually just cement everything, and then they need to understand how the ecosystem actually works for them to like. For me, because I've been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. I can tell you, okay, these are the five things that you want to that you have to do right yeah. legally to make sure on. to yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Um, so I feel like lawyers are very critical. So I would say I don't know how long. With you know artificial intelligence that they'll keep being relevant, <laughs> yeah. but I think as of today, as we speak, mm-hmm. I think I think the legal profession is one that we should actually pay more attention to in the startup space. So as mm. as as much as you have a lot of people focusing on the you know on the entrepreneurs themselves, you yeah. have to focus on the people who enable those entrepreneurs. And I think that you know law schools, all those kind of all those places should start taking it seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. Scale my hustle. Is it just focused on tech startups or tech businesses or general businesses? So we are generally focused on we're focused on general businesses, so entrepreneurs. Because I mean, before you're a tech founder, you are an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is there's so many basic things that every entrepreneur needs to know. But we also recognize the fact that um, as a tech founder, for instance, you know your needs would be somewhat different mm-hmm. um, from just, you know, a, a pers- a, someone who's, you know, selling merchandise offline, for sure. instance. Sure. Um, so so we, we decided to start, some, we're launching something next year, which is going to be focused on on tech entrepreneurs, and it's called um, the Scale Innovation Lab. So for us, the idea is for us to be able to focus on resources for younger, I mean, I don't want to sound ageist or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah. But, we, but we also think that you know at at, at like, some point a, people. A, I mean the earliest days. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the earliest like, days where you don't have too much worries worry and all that. Yeah. You're very very creative and stuff like that. So the idea is to be able to bring these kids together, together. So kids and mm-hmm. teenagers together. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are technical, people who are tech, who aren't technical. Bring them together into a lab. Let them start working on different prototypes of ideas, and let's see which one you know we want to fund. So that's the idea behind it. So at the end of each cycle, we'll just yeah. pick one to one to three businesses and say, okay, we want to go ahead with this ones and help you sort of like mentor you through the process of growing that business. And mm. um, so that's the idea behind it. So that will be focused on um, on tech founders, and then of course that's the, the lab itself is focused on. You know the, <laughs> the teenagers, yeah. but we hope to be able to also spread out because the teenagers are not going to be teenagers forever. Sure, so the idea sure. is to build a pipeline. pipeline. That we can, yeah. So we also want to um, do products for other older startups. And that should be well. happening like next year. Yeah. yeah. So um, first um, first quarter. Mm. Yeah. Are you looking to move back to Lagos at some point? Is that something in the works? <laughs> Maybe. I was thinking about it, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to move to Lagos, and not even just for other reasons as yeah, well." Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but I've been in Lagos for three weeks, and I don't know. I think I'm changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Cross fingers, I'm not sure. But I'm still here. So let's yeah. See. So you've worked with different businesses and startups, you know, across in the US and Africa, maybe Europe as well. What are the similarities you see um, across the board, and what are the differences that exist? Okay, I think I'll start with differences. The yeah. first difference I would say is, I would say is culture, and which is also a very interesting thing because um, we have a communal culture in Africa, mm-hmm. but when it comes to businesses, we are not collaborative, which is the direct opposite. Because in the, in the US, for instance, which is where I live, 
you know, people are very individualistic and stuff like that. But when it comes to partnerships and collaboration in business, they're yeah. very open to it. Sure. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of like a, you know, it was something strange that I noticed. Um, so one of the things I always push, especially, I don't know if it's because of the trust deficit or anything like that, but one of the things I always talk about, even to African entrepreneurs, I'm like, see, if you want to build an international business, mm -hmm. you, want, you want something that is going to scale, um, rapidly, the best way to do that is partnership. There's somebody in Nairobi that is doing the same thing as they are doing in Accra. You mm -hmm. guys can come together and sort of like build something, right? Like let's you know put, let's let's say I know Africa is not a country, but like we have to get to that point where we can actually collaborate our um, across borders so we can scale internationally. So I think that's one difference in terms of like you know actual partnerships. Then the second thing is also the second difference is why people build companies. So one of the things I also, one of the differences that I found, yeah. which was also interesting, is that in the US, for instance, a lot of people are building companies to sell, which is fine. So from day one, they're like, I'm building this company and I'm trying to, make, to I make money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But here, people are building, most people are building businesses for life. So when I talk to a client and I'm like, well, so this is how you have to position this business, blah, 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 you know, just in case acquisition, they're like, acquire what? <laughs> Oh my, business. <laughs> my business no way it's mine and mine exactly. yeah and i'm like and why i bring that up is that it also saves into the internal process of the business itself, Absolutely. right like yeah. so when somebody feels like and which is fine because building a business in our on the continent is harder than building it anywhere else sure. right so i sort of like understand that very emotional attachment to it because mm -hmm. when you start explaining to people that okay when you're negotiating with an investor, they'll ask for a board seat, they'll ask for some control, they're like, why? Mm. Like, you know, that kind of thing, they can't just, you know, so that's another thing, another difference um, that I find. But in terms of, and the third difference also is also around why people build companies. So a lot of people, at least in Nigeria and um, around Africa, are building businesses to solve actual challenges, yep. um, which I think is a very, very key differentiating factor. Um, I think that we are building, I mean, there are many awesome businesses that come from the US and Europe as well, but I think on the continent, we have a really, really interesting chance to solve some of the very, most pressing challenges in the world today. Problems, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's another thing. So even when I'm working with my, with my, with, with my clients here, like I'm really excited about what they're doing because I can see the directive and I'm like, this is amazing, this yeah. is going to do this, it's going to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's another um, difference as well. So in terms of similarities, I would say that the similarity across board obviously is passion. And one of the things I always come across is when I talk to you know a startup founder, you can see the same. I'm sleeping only two hours a day, even if I tell them that please you have to sleep more. Yeah. You know, it's still the same across board. Like you know, wherever they are, the the, the startup founder is like, see, I really want to do this. Um, I think that our passion is one thing I would say that is very very you know that's very so very common. yeah that's common very common across yeah. board yeah. Awesome. So I was going to ask about um, impact investing. Mm -hmm. What's your role as a lawyer yeah. in impact investing? Okay, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting one. So I, I actually have a daytime job where this is what I do. Mm -hmm. um, and um, my role really is to, so I help social entrepreneurs get to a point where they are investment ready. So the idea behind it is from the legal side. So even, even if right now my role has really morphed from just a legal role to like a legal and business Role. Yeah. But from the legal side, what I help them do is make sure before you are approaching an investor, are your key your key internal procedures are they are they fine? Like, are we okay as a business internally legally? So making sure that you know 
governance, control, ownership, all those things are sorted before they now get to a point where they're like, okay, I can bring an investor in. So most of my clients on that front will be people who are looking to raise me but um, have some potential investors, but mm-hmm. they just need to do some housekeeping before that actually that marriage actually happens. So that's what I do as a lawyer for them as well. Yeah. You see yourself as a social activist? I mean, no. I, if you ask me, I would, <laughs> I would say yes, I'm more the social activist. But there are a lot of social causes I care about a lot. Um, the first one I really, really do care about is um, is gender equality. I think that is one of those things where, especially because of the space I work in, I work with a lot of men. And for someone who's, um, who's very, very keen on gender equality, I would say maybe 80% of my clients are, um, are male. Mm-hmm. And that still tells you that a lot of, in the startup world, it's still very, you know, it's still very male-centric and stuff like that. I, and then I work in the startup world and I work on the investment side again. Yeah. On the investment side, it's the same thing. So I walk into rooms, I'm typically maybe the only woman in the room or at least the youngest woman in the room or maybe the only black person that is a young woman that is also, you know, I always have all the minority boxes checked. Yeah. And then for me, one of the reasons why, and that's why, you know, I've seen women do really amazing work and I think that we need more women in, you know, in these ecosystems. Um, so I'm very big about that. And so I, what, I what, what, I, what are you trying to do to make that happen? To I mean, increase so, yeah, so what, so what I do is, one of the things I do, and I started doing recently, is talk about my work. I never used to do that before, because I used to feel, I mean, we have this very, you know, you have to be humble, that kind of thing. Yeah. But when I talk about my work, it's not because I'm trying to show off, it's because I'm trying to point out to some young girl somewhere and I'm like, see, you can do this stuff as well because I'm doing it, right? Sure. So for me, because one of the things... And that encourages I, them a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. Right now, still my hustle works with like maybe five people, all, all five are women. And I don't think, I didn't go about looking for just women. Yeah. What just happened was that people just reached out to me and it just felt like, oh, you know I could do this, help me do, um, you know, teach me how to do this. I want to learn how to do this, that kind of thing. And it makes me happy. Let me, let me ask you, um, I, I'm going to ask you like some if you only new questions, just quick, yeah, okay. quick random questions here. What is something we should be paying more attention to? Um, I think, well, I think that the, the, um, the class divide in Nigeria is getting wider and wider. Um, and we are not paying as much attention as we should to it. Um, I think that that's, um, that's something that is very apparent to me because every time I come back, yeah. I can see that, you know, people are actually getting way, way poorer. And then, you know, that divide is, um, I know that, you know, things are bad, but like just being able to see the fact that, say, there's this huge divide growing between the rich and the poor and it's getting wider and wider. How do we like? Yeah, exactly. It's a reduce, big thing. Reduce and then that. another second thing for me, which just hit me, I know you asked me one question, mm-hmm. but the second one is access to health. I think access to healthcare, quality healthcare is also, I, mean, I know there are people who are talking about it, but I think we can talk about it even more. Mm-hmm. I recently had a scare a couple of days ago. My friend had a medical emergency and I, I'd never been so scared in my life. And I was like, oh my God. Anything could have happened. She could have just died, and then nothing. You know. Oh, so, she's okay. Now. Yeah, she's okay now. Yeah. Awesome. If you could take anyone to lunch, dead or alive, who would it be, and why? Steve Jobs. I can say that. <laughs> I can say that closing my eyes. Yeah. Um, he's dead, but yes, Steve Jobs. Um, why? Because I think I think he had I I think he has or had a beautiful mind. For me, I was I was just you know, want to ask him about what his vision for Apple was and if he actually saw it from the beginning or he, mm. if he was just, you know, 
frozen. I'm not sure. That's that's a question. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Something in the past you wish you could change. Huh? You see, I've come to appreciate my entire past. Let mm. me say. Mm. I, well, you don't have to change anything. Though, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think my I mean I've had I've not had the best of lives, but I think it's fine. Yeah, strangest job or work you ever had. So I. <laughs> I don't know how strange it was, but yeah. I was 13, which is probably child abuse, mm-hmm. but I was 13 and I was working, I was working at this place where we're charging people one naira to mm-hmm. make photocopies. So it was, that's, that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting because I was, I also was paid, um, I wasn't paid a salary, I was paid based, based on, on the number of, on the number of photocopies. So I would go outside and just ask people, that's something you are against right now, you know. Exactly. And then they'll just come to me and they're like, Why are you harassing me to make photocopies? Just a random stranger. Do you want to make photocopies? Do you want to see? Yeah, so that was, yeah. Is there something you believed to be true for a very long time and realized it wasn't? Um, yeah, yeah, there are actually a bunch of stuff. Hmm. But, but I think um, one of the things that, um, one of the things that really hit me was because for for the longest of time i used to believe that people don't change and then people are just basically just stuck as they are Um, and i used to like i was very very adamant at that point Um, but i've come to the realization that people are people mostly operate in seasons right and just as seasons change people change all the time for good or for bad what food could you eat all day plantain i could eat plantains roasted fried boiled anything raw. Wow. <laughs> Who would you trade places with for a day? Michelle Obama, I think she's amazing. What makes you laugh? Um, like what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Yeah. I can't tell you the real thing that makes me happy, but I'll just say this. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, but being with my um, being with people, um people that care about me and mm-hmm. you know I care about makes me really, really happy. I have a lot of well, I, I have um, a lot of friends that I really I care very deeply about. So mm. yeah, just being around them, just you know, cracking dry jokes yeah. makes me laugh a lot. Awesome. Um, so just before we wrap up here, um, I just wanted to ask about you, you 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 tweeted something recently about social capital. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, very very recent, maybe yesterday. Or so. Yeah. I think it's super important mm-hmm. right um, i like to see it as network capital yeah uh, so it's it's very very similar how important is it for us to build i mean for individuals to mm-hmm. build social capital because at the end of the day you want to try and do stuff right yeah and you just need people you can't mm-hmm. just do it alone right yeah. but you need to be able to give value yeah for you to get value yeah so like how how do you think it's important and how has that helped you in your own pursuits for yeah. for success I mean, it's helped me a lot, I would say, because, um, so recently, I tweeted about that because recently I'm organizing some, I'm organizing like an inner circle meetup for Scale My Hustle. And then most of the vendors that reached out, so they would tell me, oh, you know what, do this for, I'll do this for you for free, I'll do this for you, you know, at a discounted rate, or I know this person that knows you, and I'm like, okay. So, um, it even got to a point where I was uncomfortable and I was like, I think I need to pay for some stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think generally, um, it's been very helpful to me generally um, because, you know, one of the things I tell people, one of the key things to networking, I believe, is actually being in a position to help other people. Um, so, building my social capital doesn't necessarily mean that just because I helped A, 
A has to help me. Sure. It can just be a referral, A just saying something else, A talking about the fact that, oh, more help me do this, that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's one way I've been able to build. And yeah, right, it's really about your network, right? So one of the things I do is that if I see someone who's doing stuff and I like what they're doing, or I admire them from afar, I will reach out to them and say, see, you know, I have the skills, how can I help you? I can do this for you, I can do that for you. And it sort of like pays itself over like triple or yeah. because people are used to people asking them for stuff not necessarily offering to do stuff for them, mm. especially people who, who look like they have it all, right? So people are constantly asking them. But I think that you just been putting yourself out there and saying, how can I help you? And that has been very, very helpful to me, really. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. the key thing there is just help people. Yeah, exactly. Like, help as many people. Nobody's saying you should do beyond what you can do, yeah. like physically or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just help as many people that you can help, especially yeah. when you're interested in, yes, in exactly. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, really important, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the best part of your job? The best part of my job, I would say, is... Well, you have two jobs, though. You have the... <laughs> I the, have my full-time job. job. Yeah, yeah. But, but the best part is really the same thing, right? Yeah. So the same thing is, I think the best part of my job is being able to help people actually achieve their dreams and then bringing it to reality. I know it sounds very grandiose and yeah. probably sounds pretentious, but it's a very good thing when somebody comes to me and they're like, oh Mo, you actually helped me achieve this thing. I've been wanting to do this for so many years and now everything has come together. And even for me, that's a dream country for me. It doesn't even have to be my dream. Somebody else's dream, I'm just like, okay, you're happy, I'm yeah. happy. So I think that's the best part of it. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the next like two, three years for Skill My Hustle? I, obviously, you have the, the skill innovation lab yeah. coming up, which would be, I think, would take a lot of your time um, yeah. going forward. Yeah, but, but what, what's it going to be like in the next two years? And are you looking to eventually like be on this full time mm-hmm. and leave your like, 9 to 5 job? I think um, I haven't really thought about leaving my full time job, but one, I, one of the things I, because I also actually really enjoy impact investing, one of the things I see happening still my hustle because and I try to do that from the beginning. It's also sort of like not build it around me. So for me, it's really like a structure that in the next two to three years, hopefully can run on its own. I don't even have to really lift a finger to do anything. Sure. And that's one of the things I'm working really hard to ensure that the people who are working with me are not working with me just because they want a job or something, but just because mm-hmm. they're passionate about the dream as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you have those people around you, you know, you, it doesn't have to be me. So. I can decide to do whatever I want. I can decide to, you know, leave my job or not or whatever. But like for me, it's really about creating that structure. And I've been lucky enough to find people who I can say for a fact that okay, if I, even if I don't touch still my hustle for one year, yeah. right now, you know, it's things really, are fine. Really, yeah. Really fine. Mm-hmm. So one last thing: what advice do you have for your younger self, and what advice will you give your older self? Okay. Huh. So my older self, I think, I think is the same advice I would give. So I'm. I'm I'm a very nervous person in the sense that when I was younger, I used to worry about all sorts of nonsense. And then now I've gotten to this point and I'm just like, oh my God, all the things I was worrying about yeah. actually didn't make any sense. So I think I would have told my younger self to chill. I remember I was 21, it was my 21st birthday and my mom was like, oh, are you having a party? And I was like, no, I'm not going to celebrate because I've not achieved anything. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and, and mind you, at 21, I was the editor of a, of a new, of a, of a, of a magazine that yeah. I started with my friends. Yeah. And advice I'm giving my my older self is to relax but in another way mm. of, sometimes I feel like I walk too long hours um, and it's mostly because I enjoy what I do yeah 
um, and I don't really have time. So most of the time when people call me, I'm like, oh, well, I don't really have time. I'm walking, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But one of the things I'm trying to change forward, um, going forward, is to get less busy. I know people always ask me, they're like, so what are your plans for 2019? I'm like, it's to be less busy. That's really my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the advice I'll give my, my, uh, my older self, to just relax and not do too much. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for, sure. this, for this chat. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was. Thanks for listening. Do share the podcast with your friends on Twitter or your favorite social media channel and target guests you would like to hear on future episodes. See you soon.